Hello, my name is Terry O'Reilly. You may know me from my CBC radio program, Under the Influence, or my new podcast, We Regret to Inform You. Quality shows that people actually enjoy. Every year, I offer my services pro bono to one small time, no budget, Canadian podcast that could desperately use some professional help. Apparently, Smells Like Yukon has been using cheap foreign labor, or even worse, artificial intelligence, to assist with narration. The good news is, I am here, now, to finally rescue this show with my oh-so-smooth vocal stylings. As Smells Like Yukon embarks on Season 2, co-hosts Jesse DeVost and Mark Kepke confront the challenges of producing an intimate closet-based program during a pandemic while also responding to growing competition in the cutthroat world of Yukon podcasting. In the upcoming series, you'll have a chance to listen as they plot their victory and strategize ways to suppress the public's awareness of rival shows. Um, there are now quite a few other Yukon podcasts. Yes, I've noticed We've there. We've a lot of competition now. Well, yeah, back when we started, I think there was just the, uh, the what was it, On the Marge, the guy reading mm-hmm. s- stories. But yeah, there's a lot more uh, local stuff out there now. Just in the last month, there seems to have been a lot more. There's a, a, a podcast doing interviews with Yukon entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. There's another one called The Horse. A couple uh, of uh, comedians uh, yakking about current events up here, yep. Yeah, I heard this week uh, promo on CBC. It sounds like Keith Halliday and his daughter are doing a gold rush podcast uh-huh that's right i heard that too there's something i noticed called yukon strong which i think is uh some kind of right wing guy i don't want to say too much because i get the impression he owns a lot of automatic weapons or <laughs> se- sorry i should say semi-automatic weapons uh-huh uh, interesting okay and then there's another guy i think his name's daniel hallen is now doing a podcast as well i think it's called my my yukon life oh okay something like that and it's kind of an interview show hmm. it's a it's a crowded field now well that's good the more the merrier i figure um and you know given our lack of any sort of promotion um we'll probably still be fairly obscure <laughs> well i think what happens though is people go looking for these other ones because they're getting promotion so people go looking and because we've been around for a while you know if they're searching anything on a yukon related podcast we pop up so okay. the fact that all of these other podcasts are uh, promoting themselves more aggressively than we ever have i think there's a trickle down effect yeah that makes sense we'll just take a ride in somebody else's car season two promises much more than the ins christ this COVID mask is driving me crazy i hope it doesn't distort my voice anyhow as i was saying season two promises much more than this inside look at the yukon's brutal podcasting war the real focus of the new season will be following up on last year's groundbreaking investigative achievements
From the start, Jesse and Mark were hot on the trail of the Yukon Liberation Front. Decades ago, this long-forgotten, homegrown, terrorist group risked bug bites, blisters, probably DUIs, to rid the Alaska Highway of unsightly billboards. My gut tells me that some of the people who were involved in this were probably people who spent quite a bit of time uh, driving the highway, so I'm guessing country residential residents. Instead of following the money, follow the highway. <laughs> yes, I would say that you're on the right track there. Was it <laughs> I am not at liberty to divulge any names or contacts that might or might not have driven along the highway at those times. Was involved? Um, oh look, a squirrel. <laughs> a few months after this interrogation, there was an unexpected break in the case. I was going into Extra Foods, uh -huh. sorry not Extra Foods, The Independent, and on my way in I got stopped by somebody that I know fairly well. You may remember that when we, when we interviewed Louis Rifkind, mm -hmm. I, I did reel off a few names, and I did later bleep them out. Yep. And this person was one of the bleeped out names. And uh, we had a little chat about this and that, and then as we were parting, he stopped and he said, Oh, and one more thing. What's this about a, a blog that you're doing? And I was like, Oh, it's a, it's a podcast, actually. And he's like, Yeah, well, you did something about the... Um, you know, the, the YLF and the signs. And I got uh, pretty much a confession because he wanted to clarify that no chainsaws were used in the destruction of the signs. It was all done by hand. Okay. Done by Swede saws, I think. Oh, that's very noble. Yes. <laughs> so, so you were like pretty on the ball there. I was on the ball. So that mystery is solved. The mystery may be solved, but has justice been served? The truth is, Jesse and Mark couldn't care less. They are far more interested in future shenanigans. So, this season, Smells Like Yukon will try to convince to reactivate the YLF in order to bring down that ridiculous muffin sculpture thingy in Haynes Junction. Food will be another recurring theme on a tasty menu of new stories, as Smells Like Yukon continues to pick away at last season's editorial leftovers. Working with an anonymous consultant named John Glynn Morris, the podcast had previously developed a dozen or so commandments, just for Yukoners. Thou shalt not attempt to operate a restaurant in that little house beside the Yukon Theatre. And that's fascinating, Well, it's right? pointless. If you've been around long, it just seems pointless. Like, some, if we just put that as a commandment, maybe people would just stop trying. Yeah. Exactly one day after that was recorded, yet another restaurant hung its shingle in White Horse's most infamous black hole for culinary ventures. And the restaurant is apparently thriving. Uh-huh. And for good reason, I gotta say, I'm one of the biggest fans of this restaurant, the Ramen Noodle House, is oh, it? Wood Street Ramen. And I'm thinking that, you know, once things maybe get back to normal a little more, we should actually go down there and, and formally apologize because uh, that restaurant's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I was a little skeptical at first, I think, the first time I went there because I'm not a big fan of hard-boiled eggs, and it seemed to me that pretty much everything arrived with a hard-boiled egg in it. Mm 
but once somebody else agrees to take care of the hard-boiled egg um it's, oh, the egg is my favorite part well then you and i should go there for lunch together sometime you, you usually eat the burger the, 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 burger, the, the pickle. pickle out of my burger yeah it sounds moderately obscene for some reason <laughs> I don't know. and uh yes i'll eat the hard-boiled egg okay and so with jesse's face covered in hard-boiled egg smells like yukon will use the new season to extend some olive branches to a Yukon food service industry that's been hit hard by COVID-19. Still on the subject of food, who could forget smells like Yukon's tireless efforts to document the local basil crisis. It wasn't unusual to find Mark working on a Saturday night in bed to get a crucial quote. So is there anything that you have a really hard time getting at the grocery store? My soy milk. Organic soy nice. We haven't been able to find it in months. Nope, not that one. Mango pickle. Wrong. Um... You can't think of anything else that's hard to get at the grocery store? Anything in the produce? Hmm, in the produce. Sometimes good avocados. Nope. Cilantro or basil when you need it. Do we need to do this right now? Like, now? Thanks to this story, the basil crisis finally began to ease. I gotta say, it's uh, not that difficult to find the fresh basil at Independent anymore. I noticed that too, actually, and which, you know, I, so we can claim full credit for that, I think. I think we deserve some credit. <laughs> Unfortunately, that story was problematic for Mark's marriage. So, Season 2's most touching and personal moments come as Mark attempts to make amends. I have interviewed you for the podcast before, is that correct? That is correct. And uh, you weren't entirely happy with that process, from what I understand? To be clear, I had no idea I was being interviewed for a podcast. You were asking me silly questions, and I was just answering them in an offhand, very absent-minded fashion. You led me to believe that you were testing your recording equipment. Well, that's actually not true. And then what happened afterwards? Didn't even sound like my voice. I think you altered my voice. For the record, smells like Yukon would never misrepresent anyone's voice. And the context became a little bit personal. You sounded a little sultry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've ever been sultry in my life, but whatever that sound was, was not me. Look forward to hearing all these stories, and more, or possibly less, when Smells Like Yukon finally returns for its second season. This much is certain you won't want to miss one single episode. Subscribe to Smells Like Yukon in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast player. You can also listen at SmellsLikeYukon.com. Until then, I am Terry O'Reilly, asking you to keep on smelling on. Season 2 is brought to you by Baked Cafe.
be sure to try the new spelt squirrel, savory scone, with locally grown, Haskamp berries. It's a favorite with the regulars.